0: Hey guys and welcome to another episode of the Late Switch Podcast, thanks to Indomie Noodles. Uh, We've got a great guest on this week's episode. Scott Buckley is jumping on to have a chat. He gives us great insight into what was an amazing career where he stayed at the Australian Men's Open level for a number of years. A young Penrith kid working his way up. He gives a great insight into his game and the attributes that made him such a great player. One of the best to strap on the boots and he was awarded so as well being named in the Touch Football Australia 50-year Golden Jubilee side, Only one of 14 players to be named in that so it just gives you a bit of insight into the man and what he did on the Touch Football field. We won't wait any longer. We'll hear from the man himself. This is the Late Switch Podcast with Scott Buckley. All right, Scott Buckley jumping on the uh, late switch. Thanks for jumping on, mate. No, my pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and how you been at at the moment, mate? Uh, It's been a little bit of downtime, uh, no footy going on at the moment. What are you doing to keep yourself busy? I'm a school teacher,
1: so all the online classrooms and the online learning protocols and trying to get your head around that. and. Um, everything else so always busy mate trying to keep uh, training and everything else so as soon as you stop mate I'm done I think so but <laughs> somehow to I'm enjoying the break too obviously it's probably beneficial to someone my age being able to just train without having to play and think and all that type of stuff so trying to enjoy it as much as possible as well
0: yeah so what, what things have you uh, been doing differently like you just sort of touched on that you've been doing some training type um, things has it been a bit of one on one type stuff or
1: no I just training by myself I'm really fortunate, Um, good mate of mine, Nick Good and Tim Good, his older brother, um, owns CrossFit gym. So uh, I started training there at the start of the year and he lent out a fair bit of equipment and gives us daily programs online to do. So I've got enough equipment to keep training at home and uh, I've got a rower so I can do plenty of cardio stuff without having to... Pump my knees and my ankles with your the audacity of running. So yeah, trying to keep fit and keep doing that stuff without having to run too much. So enjoying it. But um yeah.
0: How's the motivation been, mate? Uh to to keep that sort of stuff going. It's a it's a it's a bit of a challenge without doing the usual fitness stuff with the boys week to yeah, week. It?
1: it is, but it isn't. Like it, it's sort of I got a lot of downtime. So I get bored. So I'm sitting around the house. I've might have done what I can for school at ten o'clock and an hour to kill and I'll train and then um, I'll, I'll do some more schoolwork, work and then my housemate will come home and he'll want to train and then I'll train again. So as much as it's Motivation levels have actually been pretty, pretty high. And like anything, once you you tough out the first week or two, it's pretty easy to keep at it. And as said, Tim at um, CrossFit Greater West, there is pretty lucky running competitions and scores and keep stuff there. So I'm a competitive person, so I always like to chuck up my score when I get a decent one, and I might hide it. (laughs) It's not so good, but um. Yeah, he's, we're very lucky, Well, I'm very lucky in that respect.
0: Perfect, mate. So uh, we'll, we'll get into it um, in terms of your touch football career, and it's it's been a stellar career at that uh, thus far. But mate, local Penrith boy uh, growing up at the, the foot of the mountains, mate. Uh, tell yeah. us about uh, growing up in Penrith and, um, and how you actually got introduced to the sport.
1: Obviously born and bred Penrith, still live here now, five minutes from the Kingsway as we speak. Um, where is where I live in it currently. Uh, Mum and dad used to play, so uh, I just used to like roll up, watch them with my little brother and sort of, I don't know how I started, but I started young, I was eight. Uh, So just started me in a park comp down there and um, played in the very first junior State Cup. That was my first rep team, Um, 1996, I think in under 12s. I was 10, played on the wing Um, and then just sort of, Obviously, not the biggest person now, so you can imagine I got my growth spurt at 17, so I didn't really get much to speak with. So I was always a little kid, so I enjoyed touch much better than league at that age. Anyway, so yeah, just fell in love with it and the people and the way that you could sort of it didn't matter what you looked like or how big you were or how small you were. It was you're marked on your own merits, and there was no that didn't really come into play. So. I enjoyed it. I had a pretty big engine when I was younger, so I enjoyed the fitness side of it too.
0: Did you have a go at league as a, as a youngster as well? Did you, yeah, did you I, so I actually stopped.
1: I played my last year of rugby league last year.
0: Fair so I've played
1: league since seven all the way through to 34. So, yeah. And so I've got a lot of mates, so most of my mates are through either touch or footy. Um, and I found that footy was my avenue to be competitive but have a lot of fun as well, where touch was my sort of serious and knuckle down and you know, backs against the wall, we got to rip in type of thing where footy I was able to joker a little bit more and relax and not have rock up, train, play and that was my job done, nothing else. So.
0: Did it come to a point in time like through juniors where you may have sort of had to uh, make that decision between both sports or was it just always touch?
1: No, touch was always my preference but I was a bench winger mate when I was younger so whenever you're a bench winger you know that your, your career's not going anywhere quick <laughs> so uh, but I just love playing and as I get a little bit older, I get a little bit better at it, and uh, not not anything to brag about, but enough to want me to keep playing anyway. So,
0: there's been a few uh, players from that Penrith scene that have dabbled their toe in touch and gone on to probably more yeah. go towards the rugby league side of things. Is there a few players yeah, that you that you've played with along the road that have gone on to make it in the NRL?
1: Uh, obviously, Matt Moylan.
0: Yeah, um, he's probably
1: there. He's a freak touch player, and then he went on the league and. And killed it as well. Um, well I played young, when I was younger. I played with Steve Turner, Junior State Cup um, for the Panthers. Uh, coach Jerome Lui, and I was fortunate enough. He, I think, he made his debut for Penrith Men's at 15. Um, so I played a game with him, which was really special. Um, Danny Brown, he didn't really crack NRL, but made it just before and a couple of other blokes like that too. So yeah, there's plenty of people out in Penrith, it's a pretty big uh, league comp and unfortunately, there's a lot of people that jump in and it, they, um, you can't hop, stop them from chasing the, the carrot that's in front of them with the rugby league dream, you know, full time work, yeah. pay, professionalism. So yeah there's
0: plenty so touch was obviously the focus in at the, the foot of the mountains there but uh, a lot of people would know Penrith is uh, not the warmest place in the world uh, how'd you go about the old uh, social comp coming through as a young tacker in the middle of winter in the, at the foot of the mountains oh, you, just, you just get used to it it's like anything it's you look at the weather in Sydney uh, I spent a year living in the city and it's five degrees
1: hotter in summer and it's five degrees colder in winter and you just get used to it, mate. We one thing that we've um, prided ourselves on Penrith the last sort of or ever since I played men's is it is what it is. Like you can't control it, so there's no point mentioning about it. And all it means is when we get those nine thirty games at the Kings on a Friday night, we're all accustomed to them compared to everybody else. So, that's <laughs> oh,
0: they always got the advantage there, mate. Um, yeah. So you mentioned uh, representing Penrith at the junior state cup type level. So obviously you got into the representative scene around um, in the juniors. Did did you start to sort of get identified around that junior space as potentially having uh, a bit of talent?
1: Oh, well, I think I was. I was sort of like when I was coming through for Penrith, junior state cups obviously every two years. So when I was the bottom year, I played on the wing probably the 13th or 14th player in the team. Um, and when I was older, our team wasn't very good and I played middle. Um, and so I, I probably wouldn't say that I was any good at touch until maybe 17, I started to get a bit better. I had a bit of a growth spurt um, and I, was, I used, to, used to be really slow. So all of a sudden I picked up a bit of pace and that just was probably the game changer for me. Obviously, the the sport that we play, you can't really get too high if, if you move around like a slug. So, yeah, since I got, yeah. got a little bit quicker, um, some doorways started opening for me, and I was fortunate enough when I got a chance, I took it most of the time.
0: So that sort of late yes. teens was yes. when you started to get noticed. You said, um, was that starting to move from the the junior scene into to the men's type of scene uh, there at Penrith? Did you start to find yourself oh, in the the higher end teams?
1: Well, I th- when I was seventeen, I played um I think under twenty threes so back was then. There was no Div One or Div Two, and sort of always like uh, one of the other, one of my uh, other good mates, Mark Kovačić. Um, He's the same age as me, and he was already playing men, so he was sort of the the gun Penrith player in, in my age, anyways, coming through. And I always wanted to make it. I think I debuted Penrith men's when I was eighteen. Yep. Um, and then that sort of doorway went through twenties all the way for Mets, and then played one year mixed and then made um, men's when I was 22. And so it wasn't necessarily the kids coming on like today, like Jardel and Jamin Bobs at a 15 playing men's opens. I wasn't any good in that respect. Um, I waited till I was yeah early twenties to start cracking some big teams. And I sort of come through in a lucky time where a lot of people were on their way out. So I opened up a lot of um, positions for me to get a chance anyways.
0: Yeah, so probably uh, lead into that um, when you did start to sort of crack into those higher-end teams. So obviously started to play for Penrith at the New South Wales State Cup um, in in the Men's Open division to start with. We'll probably just touch on that a little bit and talk about that tournament and how you found it in the early stages playing Men's Open Comp because the New South Wales State Cup is probably up there with one of the best touch football tournaments. Yeah, definitely in the country.
1: Well, in, in my, in, I've played every tournament and as far as I'm concerned, I don't think I've ever played a harder tournament than State Cup. Um, not not just for, the teams are so evenly spread, especially nowadays, you know, like um, any team can win it. if you're not there on your day, you miss out. Last year, we didn't even make Sunday. Um, and not just that, but the way that the tournament's structured, it's 40 degrees. You play nine, nine games, probably 10, 11 to win it. So you've got to get everything to go your way. You've got to do all the work before. So then that way, if you win it, you know you truly deserved it and there's no way that you fluked it. So every team that wins State Cup knows that they truly deserved it um, uh, and you need everything to go your way. So by far, that's the hardest tournament, factoring in every equation. Um, that I've ever played in and consistently playing
0: in two. And you're lucky enough to uh, to win one as well. Um, yeah, one two. Yeah, one two. Um, so tell us about that and like obviously we'll touch on your your state representative, uh, representative career and playing for Australia, but what does it mean to you uh, to win a state cup at that level, representing your hometown with your mates that you've grown up with?
1: Oh, I love playing for my country, I love playing for my state, but I just don't think things compare to that. what you put in for, for that level. The mates you put in, you know, you see them week in, week out. You bust your ass with them. And, and for us, um, we won a lot of boarding cups, but the state cup was the ever elusive title. that We just couldn't get it. Uh, 2013, we were lucky enough. Um, we just put everything together. We coached ourselves, um, you know, all. all to Dave Collins for putting us in a position where we we're able to do that um, and, and we and we won it. And it was just, it was the greatest feeling I've ever had. You know, I love World Cups are great and I'll, I'll never say that um, anything's be above anything else, but just the fact of being able to take that back to my home town of Penrith and who who we play for. And, you know, you get plenty of opportunities to jump ship and go somewhere else. And we're so sort of lucky in, in the men's open scene in New South Wales, not many players do that. They stick strong with where they're from. So. Um, to win that—that that was, you know, probably one of the most satisfying things I've ever
0: done. Uh, probably the next uh, major tournament going on from the the state cup is the NTL. So, um, you may mention. Uh, Mets was the the team that you played for uh, predominantly yeah. there throughout that competition. What was yeah, that I like? For anyone else. There you go. So you can you can see you stuck loyal mate, Penrith boy through and yeah. through, and with Mets from yeah, the start as well.
1: you play with the same people, and we're fortunate enough. Penrith have always been pretty strong, so when we play Mets, there's usually four, five, six of us there. Um, yeah, one one Mets. Um, I think it was my second year. First or second year of playing Mets is when I won, and then I haven't won since. Um, But yeah, it was a great, uh, sort of for me, it was sort of the stepping stone coming up and nobody knew much about me and I sort of was just riding off everyone else's backs. You know, with Jason Sen and Daniel Walsh and Anthony Ziardi and they sort of um, gave me a lot of confidence and that was probably, NTL was probably the big stepping stone for me um, in progressing my career to make those bigger steps in New South Wales and Australia.
0: For sure. so, mate, you just mentioned him a few players that were really influential in, in that NTL Met setup. up. Um, yeah. Tell us about what sort of influence, direct influence that those guys had on you as a young fella coming into that men's open scene.
1: Well, I think with them and along with Paul Sphere, um, I can't, you know, he's still, you ask him now, he's the person to turn me into a link. You just got to ask him and he'll tell you that, even though they're, but... I just, I just guess when, you, when you're a young kid, you sort of, when we were playing at Penrith, we were always taught, just don't take anything from anyone. Just go in there, and we weren't the most talented at that time, so just don't take crap off anyone and just go in and rip in. And I think they enjoyed that about us, when we were coming through, myself, Ben Moylan, Dean Springfield, that type of thing. So they just had our backs and um, gave us everything that we could they shared knowledge they gave us cracks and everything and fortunately for us we were able to um repay them with good form and and a premiership so we're very lucky with the influence and the experience that they gave i I know i had um a lot of i have to give great credit to anthony ziarty i was really close to z every year i played and um, a lot of the things that i do in my game now um in terms of the working aspect and and not shying away from that stuff is, is due to him and his influence
0: so. and you just touched on before making the transition to to link um how did you find that and obviously a lot of people that have followed your career um would put you up there with obviously the, the top links basically in that position um to play the game but uh how did you find that transition and how did you well, to hone and make that position your own
1: it was relatively easy when I was there because nowadays there's so many little intricacies between middle and link that they're so um, specialised position and there's a couple of people that can probably transfer over back in those days it was make and shut down and then all all of a sudden channeling just started to come into the game so it was more when I came in I was learning the first thing that was being presented in get in the lane and if they throw it take, take an intercept and run the length so. Um, I was transferring there. There wasn't really man-on. I didn't play any man-on styles. So, make the touch, get up, try to help make a touch. And with the touches away from you, sit back and get in the lane and make him hit, go over top of you. So, it was pretty easy in that respect. Um, and obviously, as I played more and more, I sort of got to specialise a bit in it.
0: Mate, when did you start to sort of feel like you are putting some good performances in and you were starting to get noticed a little bit more um, from that sort of men's open scene and uh, start to get in the conversation around New South Wales selection?
1: Oh, I was actually shocked with everything to be honest, I sort of... Uh, I'm the type of person that doesn't really let much phase me. I just sort of go up, I'm happy to have a joke, I rip in and give it my all. And You know, a lot of the teams that I get named for at that age, I was sort of like, are you serious? Like I sort of was not realising how good I was playing, I was just happy playing touch. Um, and anytime I made a team I was like beauty I get to play a bit more um so I think the first big one was mixed origin in 06 um I just played I think I just played 06 we won the Mix champion uh, NTLs with Tashi and Tashi probably put in a, a fairly handy word for me and mm. I got to play that and I loved it and after that I was just like okay well, where can I go with it and started chasing the men's stream. obviously once you you sort of make that, it's like, well, okay, this is a realistic goal now. It's no longer something that I can just look at and think, um, well, how good would it be? It's, well, let's,
0: let's get there. So. And what was the uh, the thought process and what did you think that you had to put in place to make that next step and make that men's side?
1: Well, I think it was just a learn. I always had hard work, Kimmy. So I never ever showed up to a tournament or a competition underdone. I was always, you know, one of the fitter ones in our teams and, uh, and that I just and I'd always ask but everyone. I was a sponge. I I didn't want to be around people my own age. I wanted to be around the older boys and understand and learn. And I, I had um Feezy and Traddy and Tashi at that stage. And I'd be like, What can I do better? What do I need to do? And I was fortunate enough to have Jason Zubilio, um growing through from juniors all the way there. Who I'd ring and go, What do I going to do? You watch my game. What did I do? And he was an attacking type of link, and I he sort of just showed me or taught me how to do that. And offensive, defense, I've always been an attacking type of player. I get up and t- take the game on and never let it come to you. And I think people started to really, really enjoy that type. And um, yeah, because I was sort of the, one of the only people doing it, I sort of got noticed a little bit quicker than some other people that were just doing what everyone else was.
0: It didn't take you long uh, to break into that New South Wales men's side. Like Meg mentioned, you played mix in 06. You, you cracked your yeah. debut in, in 2008. Um, yeah. Tell us about receiving the, the call or the email or whatever it was to, uh, to put yeah, the Sky Blue on. Yeah, it was, it was an
1: open trial. I'm pretty sure it was an open trial and I just rocked up. And um, I think Bus was our coach and and we basically just rocked up and we we're all a bunch of young kids so myself dean springfield ben moylan i think was in i'm not sure um Dil, and until two years younger than me so all these young kids just coming through and we never on paper um the queensland team was completely superior but we just went in there and went oh, us sort of showed us a new soul. and because when you're kids and you're learning stuff different you're like oh Let's give it a crack, you know? How good is this? It's something different. This looks mad and we're fortunate enough that the way we played and um, the way that we performed was was good enough to beat, you know, Drummy and Nathan Jones and those type
0: of players in their prime. Do you think um, coming in at such a young age and having the other group of, of young men around you Helped you just to go into that initial debut series with no fear. It seemed like you didn't have any real fear about the other names yeah. that you were coming up against against Queensland.
1: Oh no, I don't like. I'm sort of fortunate enough. I don't really get nervous or all that. And I, I'm a firm believer. I've I'm playing in that team. I'm. Up to the level that everyone else is or I wouldn't be here and the last thing you want to do is get overawed by a certain player or that but I can tell you that I would have known what Nathan Jones and Johnny did every inch of everything I would have studied them and and made sure that if they were on me I knew what was coming so um, because you don't want to let players like that have their own way with you so but yeah I don't think I've ever been really overruled by situations or like that um I sort of black out and just focus on the job at hand and black out all the other exterior noise. Always been pretty
0: good at that. Is that just something that comes naturally to you, mate? Has it been like every aspect of your life you're the same?
1: Oh, not my whole life, but when it comes to sport, like I'll go play rugby league and my girlfriend, my mum and dad will go watch. And they'll say, oh, did you hear me yell out, to I go, I didn't hear anything. Like, but then on the same token too, like it'll be sometimes a coach will say something and I won't hear him because I'm totally, you know, consumed by what's happening in front of me. So I don't hear anything. I don't hear any outside noise. Like if someone's hurling abuse at me, I wouldn't have a clue what they're saying. So it works good in that respect. So, yeah.
0: But you've been uh, obviously a mainstay in the New South Wales New South Wales men's side pretty much from that point. Um, yep. Obviously, the State of Origin series is probably also another pinnacle event that's on, on the calendar. Um, are there any other moments throughout your State of Origin career or any highlights that really stand out coming up against Queensland?
1: I was fortunate enough I never lost to Queensland in men's opens. Um, I, we, I beat him in every one. The one year that they won, I was... Um, injured, so I didn't get to play. So, fortunately enough, I don't have that little next to my name.
0: So, it's pretty um, much uh, all down to you, mate. the no, no, reason all, they lost. I don't, I don't think it mattered who played for New South
1: Wales that year. Queensland just were, wanted it so much more. Um, and we're truly deserving of the win. I don't think it matters who played in that New South Wales team or watched the series. They just wanted it more and played to that. So, full credit to them. You can't say any one person would have changed it. Um, I just... I remember saying we had Paul Sphere and Sphere's a champion bloke. And if you go in terms, if you want to coach for technicalities, he's not the bloke. He's got no idea in terms of the technical aspect, but he just really knows how to get the best out of you. So origins, he's bread and butter. There's no better origin coach I've had than Paul Sphere in terms of being able to get you up for it and just something simple to get you there. I think it was 20 what was it, 2018 was the last one, 2014 it was, in... Um,
0: what do it mean, I think.
1: Kiwana it was, and I remember saying, we won the first game, we lost the second, and I remember we went to the pub after we lost.
0: Jeez. Just
1: have a bit of a bet, no beers or anything, but just have a bit of a bet and get our heads away. And if you think about any coach in the game who takes their team, when they play that... At lunchtime and playing that night for that, and I remember sitting there and I was just talking to a few of the boys and we're obviously relaxing and having a bit of a punt. I remember saying, "I just don't, didn't realise how much this competition meant to me until I lost that game." Mm. And then all of a sudden, I think it was a huge pivotal moment, changing my aspect as well of of, of okay, wow, this actually does mean a lot more than you think it does, and. So 2014 was a huge thing for me. And um, last year, last year's origin was, or 2018's origin was massive for me as well. Um, I put everything into it. I knew that was my last one. So yeah, it was really satisfying um, to get that win over, you know, it was a flip of a coin between those two teams on paper, they are as good as each other. So to get that win and in that fashion, I was, um, Yeah, very,
0: very memorable for me. Um, Obviously, the next step, um, and you'd already made it um, throughout your New South Wales careers to get the the green and gold jersey, um, represented Australia in the youth system uh, in in the 20s, uh, then progressed to the 20s mixed and played at the Youth World Cup. We might just touch on that. What was that like playing at a World Cup at such a young age?
1: Yeah, it was different. Um, I played the year before in 18s. Um, I played on the wing, most of it. I, I got picked as utility, so I played on the wing um, and then went into the 20s mix. and um, yeah, it was different. It was definitely different. I've never really played mixed before that. Um, and we played, we, we played probably not as good as we could have, but I don't think we're ever going to beat that New Zealand team. Um, they end up putting a clinic on in the final nine-four. And there was three teams, so it was us, I think Thailand, maybe, and them. So we played, we were mixed with the eighteens comp and we played each other everyone once. And um yeah, they were they were very, very good and my first sort of taste had of defeated that and I was like, Oh, well, it's my first World Cup, it's probably potentially my last and I'm blown it. I haven't got that opportunity to to say I'm a world champion. So and I lost the eighteens as well the year before. So I was 0-2 from New Zealand in my first two encounters. It wasn't too
0: uh, From that point on, you got your yeah. debut in the Men's Open, 2010. Um, yeah. What was it like, mate, to get your first green and gold jersey?
1: Oh, 09 of a mix. Um, yeah. So, so that was huge. Obviously, um, I, I thought I was playing pretty good. That was starting to win... I thought, okay, I'm playing a bit of consistent touch. So that was more not like I was the world on fire, but I just was comfortable in what I was doing and how I was doing things. And I felt like it was more tweaking of things and just progressing and how do I modify this to get better. So um, that put me in a good stead to, for the camps. And um, I got called into the men's camp, the last camp before 09 Trans-Tasman, um, and then Tradi dropped me back to mixed just before it so I was so mate I was you know a little kid in a candy shop getting to play I, I was fortunate enough to play with one of my Penrith mates in Ben Moylan and um yeah I was unreal I played on wind stadium first trans-tasman back was opens it was you know a little kid's dream so doesn't matter what sport it is mate. to represent your country at opens level is you know there's so many Hundreds of thousands of people that wish they could be in your shoes. So I, I took it. I took it with um both hands. That's for sure.
0: It was a pretty uh awesome series that like you just touched on in two thousand and nine and being at Wollongong, the great stadium as well. But the, the mixed yeah. side that you played in though was just littered with stars, and you can't um, begrudge too much for for not making that men's team as well. Tough team to crack into at the time the, the team that they yeah. had in the men's open in two thousand and nine.
1: Yeah, for sure. Especially when um, we were fortunate enough that Guire and the TFA team back then sort of said, uh, you know, nine, okay, let's get the Trans-Tasman back in. So for a lot of these older statesmen like Sondar and Shuka and the Faroes and that type of thing, they were sort of all like, okay, well, this is our last one. So um, t- to make the squad and just be able to, on the training paddock with them when they were all sort of... You know, it's like, I know fortunately now what it's like in your last one, you give it everything you've got. So to be able to train and learn and take it and be a sponge and then go back to mix and play that um, and I love playing mix. That was awesome. And then to get the crack the next year was, you know, a dream come true. But yeah, to play that play for Australia in opens level was definitely, definitely something that I never thought would happen, but I was very, very honored to.
0: To achieve it. So, talk us through your uh, men's debut. You may mention that a lot of those the superstars of the sport um, retiring yeah. the year before. So, it was a bit of a changing of the guard there in the men's open team. Yeah. Um, t- tell us about your first um, series there against New Zealand. Well,
1: there were good and bad things. Um, it was a great experience to play the men's. And obviously, with the transition period, I think, I don't think anybody said it, but I think we are massive underdogs. New Zealand, in New Zealand, most of their players were sort of hold still there, and we were sort of transitioning. You know, well, I came through, and then we had like people like Nick Good and Sam Brisby who weren't even 18 yet that were playing. So we were massive underdogs, and played the first two games. We were one all, and got the knock on the door. The you sitting there waiting, and thinking, you go on, please don't knock, and knock on the door. Hey mate, you're not playing this one. Oh no. So I sat out the third game, which was heartbreaking, but. Um, I think it was one of a really good thing to experience in a way Um, to acknowledge, you know, watch a Michael Jordan documentary last night and Scotty Pippen didn't get the ball and sat on the bench. And I can safely say that wasn't me. I was in the box here (laughs) and helping out. And I think that as well goes a long way for your teammates to respect you. Um, No one wants to sit out, but 16 doesn't go into 14 and um, yeah, it was my turn to sit out just for no other reason than he had People planned to sit out regardless of the scores. And that was my time. So, dropped it on the chin, mate. We won. And over the moon, you know, to finally get the wood over New Zealand in men's anyways. So.
0: It's, it's, it's a pretty uh, decent thing that you've touched on there. Because I'm sure there's a lot of young kids out there listening to, to this particular episode. That uh, if they haven't already found themselves in that situation, might find yeah. themselves in that situation. In a, in a big match as well, having to sit out. Um, So, you mentioned that you you dealt with it well, but is that something that you thought about moving forward uh, into next sort of series that, you know, you, you wanted to make yourself in a position where you'd just always be in that final four team?
1: Oh, yeah, it's heartbreaking not playing the, the big game. You know, when, when you're a kid and you want to play, you think with well, five seconds left, we've got the ball, field goal wins the game, you know, and that's take that's not taken away from you, but you're not in that position to be able to do anything like that or come up with a stop or, or just be a part of that moment. Um, but in the same respect too, you know, your character's judged by when things aren't going your way, and there's nothing worse than if you—if I've got fourteen mates that are that, that are trying to get the job done, that they got me sulking at the end of the box, or whoever else was sitting off with me—I can't remember sulking at the end of the box. That's not how you get the job done. And fortunately enough, I didn't have too many times so was sitting off after that. But I guess there's nothing. In, to answer your question though, there's nothing really I could do. I don't think I was playing bad. it was just. Um, from what Traddy told me, unless that's what he just said for me to suck it up, but um, he just said it was your turn to sit off, mate. It's just pure rotation. You, Nick, and Brizzo were always going to sit off a game each. And Nick sat off the, f- uh, Nick sat off the second, Brizzo sat off the first. I think I sat off the third. So it was just pure the way it went. Um, and yeah, it is what it is.
0: Following year, mate, he uh, headed over to Scotland uh, for the World Cup. Again, a, a great team that headed over a really tough final against New Zealand, but uh, talk us through your first World Cup experience, yeah. Yeah,
1: it was was unbelievable. Scotland's my favorite World Cup. Um, Just the atmosphere going 24 hours or 26 hours on a plane, you know, I'd never done that before. Um, The way that everybody was there, the crowd, the way that people come and watch you, and um, all that thing was great. The competitions were awesome. Um, So it was amazing. Final was a blur to me. Besides, I remember giving Traddy a heart attack with about a minute and a half to go. I thought I came up with a really good read and shot up and in, and um, unfortunately, the referee deemed that I went early and it was professional foul. And sin did me with a minute and a half to go, <laughs> so I spent the rest of the game in the Sinbin watching.
0: Jeez. Um, yeah. uh, but
1: you know, to Nathan Jones' credit, he. Um, his Scott Sattler moment with his defence in that last minute and a half, two minutes, and the way he could waste the clock. I think he, I've now made him um, sort of an immortal because of my feats. So he's now immortalised by that effort in that last two minutes. That um, It was just remarkable. Probably the best two minutes of somebody individually, defensively that I've ever seen. Well, we
0: might as well just keep going on, on Nathan. That was his uh, final series as well in the, in the Men's yeah. Open. Captain of the Australian side um yeah. you made mention of his on-field stuff but what what's did he have any influence on you uh, as a captain um with uh, on-field but obviously off-field as well
1: yeah he just gives you support mate he's not the um the larrikin or the most um outspoken type of person he's sort of like a leader with actions he'll go out there he'll say what he does and it'll be six words but it'll be six words you remember um and then he'll go out there and lead by his actions and um I remember playing against him, and you always respect how he did. And then you only respected him even more when you're playing next to him. So as a person that you followed. You didn't necessarily have to listen to because he didn't speak too much. But you definitely once you got the ball under his arm, you got straight behind
0: him. But we might uh, continue on the World Cup theme. Obviously, there was a lot of Trans Tasman series in between, yeah. but. The next uh, World Cup in 2015 on home soil um, yeah. uh, was probably one that you'll, you'll remember not only yeah, for remember, really winning, true. yeah, winning the World Cup as well, but your individual performance in that final. I, I recently watched it back again, uh, mate. Second to none. It was it was a great performance. How Peter Norman got the player of the final was an absolute riot. Should be questioned, mate, because your ah. performance in that final was outstanding.
1: Yeah, I was really happy with my performance and regardless, Pete played really well too. Um, and if any player really could have won that award, we were just, we were on fire. That's the best team I've ever played in, but I think, I still remember, I think we, we said we played 11 games. We scored 161 tries and led in seven. No. So, and then that final was 11-2 and... Yeah, it was just, you how how do you start any better? You get a stop, you got the other end score, you get a stop, you got the other end score. It's 2-0 after two minutes and yeah, the floodgates opened.
0: Did you know you had them after that two minutes?
1: I don't know if I knew that I had them because they've always got the comeback in them and they're a really good team once they've got momentum in sustaining it Um, and if you don't wrestle it back. But I sort of, I remember just sitting there and, and just feeling numb in a way, just like, didn't matter what we did, they couldn't stop. When you look at someone of the caliber of Dylan Hennessy, when he sets up two tries in a final and you win by eleven, that shows what a great team performance that is. Yep. Now he's given New Zealand nightmares for twelve years, and the fact that he probably set up one or two tries, but then to his credit too, was able just to go, well, "I'm just going to sit back and let everybody else run the show" because everyone else was killing it as as a team. Um, yeah, so. Tenfold, and yeah, the best team I've ever played in. And from talking to a few mates that are pretty have a pretty high standing in the game, that's the best um, Australian team that they say that they've ever seen. So that's a pretty good memory to be part of it. Yeah. Final one for you,
0: 2019. Only last year, Um, made the decision to retire uh, as well. That was going to be your last time representing Australia uh, in the men's open level. What made you lead uh, to that decision?
1: Oh, I guess you want to be, you want to go out on your own terms before you push and obviously as I'm getting a bit older and I get a lot of bad knees and ankles and I've got a lot of joint problems so it just means I can't run as much as I do so I really struggle with maintaining weight and that and I just knew, I, I sort of had in my eyes I was like for 2019, that's it and I gave it everything and I don't think I've ever finished a tournament and said thank god it's over. It's just, it's, it's like when you see all these NRL players come out and they go, I can play the comp- the NRL any day of the week, but I can't get through another preseason. These yep. training yep. camps, it was just, I was struggling. I was on the table. I was finding any way to get a shortcut out of something or, or that because I just knew my body wasn't able to bounce back as quick as it should. And the things I was doing to get through it were just, weren't enjoyable at all. So when I finally finished and I played it and, the conditions that we played in were ridiculous, to say the least. I've never finished and gone. Thank God it's over. So I was that was my telling us, and saying, you made the right
0: decision. Taking the gold medal as well just puts the icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, so we've obviously touched on quite a lot of your representative career there, yeah. from Penrith, New South Wales, then to Australia. Are there any? Um, players or coaches that sort of stand out as being really influential figures throughout your career that have really had a big emphasis on on Scott Buckley, the man?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I've been very fortunate that I've had good coaches since I was 14. So um, I had Jason Zabilia, who was the Australian Men's Open captain at that time from 14 to 18, and then he's now a close friend and I still mentor of mine. I then went into the Men's Opens with David Collins, who's a great family friend. Um, then on to people like Paul Sphere and Tony Trad and and later in my career, Dave Nolan, um, all give me great attributes and different things. So, you know, Tappy was my, you know, be aggressive, get in their face, sort of, this is what you got to do. Conky was the motivator. Traddy probably took me to a new level technically than I thought. Speezy gave me a lot of belief, then Dave Nolan probably kept me a lot grounded, especially as I got older, how to manage people, how to be a leader. How to um sort of be able to speak to people without having to be the authoritarian approach and that so i've been very fortunate to have a lot of great leaders around me in terms of playing well, i've had a lot steve roberts anthony ziardi jason Yee, um at penrith rowdy you know all these people that had a lot of influence on me but probably the most influential person as a player is nick Good. Um, Goody's six years younger than me then but started everything when I did so we do everything together we train together he keeps me motivated we keep each other grounded I think we both can it, give out a hell of a spray but I don't think we have ever sprayed anywhere like we have each other um, but we get the best out of each other and I don't think I would be where I am or have the career I've had today without him that's for sure um yeah everything i have i can say that nick good's had a, a huge part in that so yeah i definitely can't thank him enough and and what he's done for my career to to put me in the position i am today to have the reputation i do so i'm very very thankful
0: to him yeah i was actually listening back to uh, an episode of the touch project that he was on and he was pretty um complimentary pretty much saying the exact same thing that you've just said about him um about you um you're obviously good mates you come from penrith uh, together as well um you sort of touched on 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 what he's done for your career but just personally being as good mates as what you guys are how we proud were you to sort of see how he's transitioned from an 18 year old kid coming into the men's open side to then leading leading the uh the country at the men's open team
1: Oh, man, he's phenomenal. I remember playing at Penrith and um, sort of the leaders were on their way and I was the next sort of oldest and I was like, this captain's is mine you know, I really <laughs> yeah. want it. And I get like a tap on the shoulder from Dave Collins saying, Nick's good guy." And I was filthy. I hated, hated him for it. And it took about six months and I realised, wow, he's a better leader than I could ever dream of. Um, he gets the best out of you he's his own personality he's not like anyone else he's a straight shooter he speaks before he thinks but he's genuine in all his approach and as i said you know once i did that once i got over that little hurdle we've been inseparable on the touch field and even as mates we talk to each other we train together we go have beers and a bet together we do everything so unfortunately right now he lives about a k away from me so (laughs) Uh, yeah but when it comes to training mate we do everything it's a phone call to either one of us and it's never a no it's always a yes Um, but yeah we I don't think well I don't think I don't know I would definitely be where I am Um, and I'd like to think that I had a pretty good impact on him in the same respect and one thing's for sure that we put in a lot of work to get where we are and that doesn't come without the other half of the, the duo. So.
0: Was he someone that you spoke to when you were uh, contemplating retiring from the men's Open team? Well, I don't
1: think it was contemplating. It was, mate, I'm done. And I think, I think everyone could see it. Um, I, I think he was just the one that probably kept me being at a level where I could make my own decision. Let's go change. Let's go do this. I remember Mets this year. I... Uh, kept getting injured i was struggling there, and he just kept pushing me. get there we're gonna run this afternoon i'll meet you here so yeah he, he's probably the one that's prolonging it i'm trying to call it short yep. um but he's the yeah. one that's probably going. now nah, you sweat you got another year you got you're good to go again and and that so and i love the game and i want to play as much as i can but yeah, it's starting to, every every tournament starting to be, seem like a lot of them are my last. So, yeah. But um,
0: looking back at your career uh, from a, a Touch nuffy's perspective and looking at the games that you've played, and I've been lucky enough to commentate a couple of them, but it just seems like consistency in how you approach the game has probably been one of your main attributes um, in, in your football career. It seems like you just seem to take the right... Um, the right action every time. If there's a two-on-one, you draw, you draw and pass. If you hold the ball, you score. Is, is that something that has been with you since the start of your career, or has that been something that you've worked on? Is that something oh. that you've really, um, have you know, has been one of the main points of of your career and being out there on the footy field?
1: I think when I was, as I said, I, I lay a lot of these like these well, small things that when I was younger I always wanted to make teams and I worked my ass off to get there but you can't coach speed so I just didn't have it so I didn't do anything with it so I needed to do a whole heap of other different stuff so I worked a lot of my passing both ways I worked a lot on my there and I think anytime someone says I can't do something I worked my ass off to do it so I remember I think coming into the men's opens for um, the Aussie team for first off and I remember doing some drills and there were some four on three drills and I, was, well, I wanted to be the ball player, just not to say I'm a ball player, but just to sort of, in the drills, I wanted to learn and get better. And I remember someone, I remember Trattie saying something like, "Oh, you know, he's got really good decision making, you just don't. You don't have good decision making. So I was like, oh, oh okay. So whenever someone tells me that, I sort of go away on my own little thing and, and practice it. and. Fortunately enough, I got better at it, and yeah, as I got better at it, it just yeah, it comes naturally. And there's probably the there's nothing worse in a game than create an overlap, and then the person on the end of the pass can't do a two on one or or something like that. So yeah, I worked a lot, I worked hard on a lot of small stuff, which when I was younger, which paid dividends when I was older.
0: And uh, mate, so uh, probably one of, another highlight of your career as well is uh, Touch Football Australia Name Day. Uh, men's open team a jubilee team of the last 50 years and and you were lucky enough to to be nominated in that as well yeah. it must be a huge honor for you to to take that one oh,
1: I, you, I remember um they came out and I said they're doing it and I was just like someone said to me I think Goody Raymond goes oh you're gonna make this team and I went mate you're joking you're kidding yourself like I'm not even on the same planet as half of these people I said these people are, are, are gods and then um I was fortunate enough to do it. I think I got the email at like ten o'clock at night, and I might have been out of the mate's house, and I dropped my beer. <laughs> and I was like, "This has got to be a stitch up." And I checked all the sending on. Someone stitched me up. I go, "Who's done it?" <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I messaged probably my mum, Goody, all my, all my coaches that I mentioned already, and I said to them, and I just said a big thank you. I said, "This one may, name may go up on this list, but I don't get here without you." So. It's a huge thank you to that, and it was yeah, it's probably in terms of an individual achievement,
0: it's probably my proudest moment, so for mate. sure. Well, well deserved as well, mate. Um, we're going to get away from the the footy a little bit. Uh, finish yeah, up with a yeah, couple definitely. of random couple of random questions for you. So you, you made mention at the start of the podcast that you're a teacher by trade. Uh, yeah. How do you, how do you enjoy doing that for a crust?
1: Yeah, I like it. I get to play sport every day. <laughs> um, anyone that's been around me for long enough knows I can't sit still, so definitely the sort of, and I've got the attention to spend on goldfish. So anytime I can throw kick or something like that. Um, yeah, it's it's right up my alley. I love it. I love coaching and, and that aspect of it. So yeah, it's a dream job for me, mate. I I enjoy going to work every day. That's
0: for sure. Yeah. So you just touched on the coaching aspect of it. Uh, senior national youth championships um, with some New South yeah. Wales school sides. I think you're lucky enough to to win one we as a coach right. yeah. as well. Um, yeah, so, um,
1: I've coached three years now for um, one year with Brownie, we were co-coaches, and then the last two I've had it myself. We lost last, not last year, the year before, and then we won it last year, yeah.
0: So it's a pretty good achievement as well. I think Queensland secondary schools have had the stranglehold on that yeah. comp for a while. So uh, one of the first New South Wales school teams to pick that off as well. But how do you find um coaching the next generation coming through? I, I
1: love it. And I think just I've been really fortunate when I've coached these school teams that, you know the central Coast and newcastle regions have been that strong in the last few years and central coast especially been fortunate enough to um sort of push their young kids earlier than expected to play men's so a lot of these kids i was playing against so i sort of knew a little bit about them and and that but mate if you want to talk about the next gen of professional athletes like i wasn't doing the stuff they're doing mm. i'd give them a training program they get it done um, I said to them, I go, you can do an ice bath at the end of every day. They're doing it after every game. You know, their professionalism spoke in their result. And that was all them. Half of the stuff they did, I didn't make. I actually forced a little a few culture and team rules. And um, they just jumped on the bandwagon, made their sponges. They never questioned anything. And I think that they really rejuvenated my love for the game. And. I gave everything I had to those teams because of what those kids gave to me me when I was with them. So some of my be- that's one of my best memories is when that comp last year and especially with a team of no superstars in some respect, we didn't have a, an out-and-out superstar. So it was very satisfying.
0: Can you believe what some of these kids are doing out on the football field now? Like uh, Compared to where you were maybe at 16, 17, compared to what some of these kids are doing now, it's amazing, isn't it?
1: mate i remember when i came in at 17 if you could step and dive you were scoring every time <laughs> and then if you could pass on the back of that that was the day over Now they were either shutting down and you hit long or they were man and on and you dove and you score nowadays i'm coming up with plays and you know i, I just played mets with josh moffat who i coached not last mm. year the year before and he's coming up with variations to things i'm going mate you're 17 years old you should not know this stuff <laughs> I think I came up with my first move like a year ago or two years ago. This kid's coming up with variations to the things that we're throwing when he's 17. And, you know, God forbid, whoever plays Central Coast in five years' times are going to be in big trouble.
0: Oh, mate, it is scary. Absolute freak athletes. Um, yeah, mate,
1: you're...
0: Yeah, it's just going to touch on, mate. Um, uh, your nickname, Jack, is getting around. Yeah. Hey, hey, where did that come about, mate?
1: No, it's, it's a pretty ordinary. Um sorry, it's just when I was born my parents wanted to call me Jack and they didn't like for a baby's name, so they called me Scott and then dad just kept calling me Jack anyways and when I was seven or eight I played footy and they used to go, you know, it's like share the ball around, give the ball to who and they go, give the ball to Scott. We had four Scots in the team, so that was a bit of a problem. <laughs> so dad goes up with the coach and goes, just call him Jack, mate, if you want him to get the ball. And then Every man in knows me. I've got best mates that, you know, for four years we used to go out and they try to sign, find me on Facebook and go, I can't find it, there's no jackpot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Easy as that. Yeah. Uh, mate, If um, you, you a music man before a big game? If there's one song that would pump you up before a game, have you got one in the back pocket?
1: Uh, nah, I'm a... Mate, I'm a talk shit, laugh, giggle, throw the ball around, um, that type of thing. I'm not really... A, listen to music I might have a headphone in but I'm very rarely listening to it it be on you know a playlist or, or something like that there's no like quick let's focus and pump up I'm not really one of them I'm the bloke with two minutes to go that they're telling to shut up and get serious so
0: talk, talk us through some of the other uh, fellas in the the men's open side like obviously you're the larrikin no doubt there would be some that would stick to well, themselves to say we... the larrikin. I'm, the, I'm the idiot <laughs> yeah, right. But here are yeah, so right. Goody's be... a, a <laughs> prolific uh, spewer before games. Yeah. yeah, so plain and
1: simple, if it's a big game, you know that for the last five minutes, that I've got to take over because Goody's not there. there Goody's go. chucking up somewhere. So have a Gatorade on standby for him. Um, yeah, Goody's hurling before any big game.
0: <laughs> but have you had any uh, extremely annoying roommates or any pests that you... Short says yes. Well,
1: absolute gentleman, (laughs) legend of a bloke. But have you met anybody that puts his biscuits
0: in the fridge? Oh my god, they're different up in North Queensland, mate. They are a different breed. The nicest bloke you'll ever meet, but that just did it for me as a roommate. So, but a legend of like, sorry, Frank, and made over three on the bus. Any other hobbies outside of the sport, mate, that you have? i
1: getting get starting to get into golf a bit. Um, not very good, but I'm enjoying that. So, something a little bit less running and no sort of um, training requirements before it. So, I think once I um, hang up the boots, mate, for good, I, I might take up golf. Not on the professional level, but just to get out of the house. and. <laughs> Yeah, I'm enjoying that, but yeah, no real hobbies. I just like being around my mates, and I enjoy training. So hopefully, I stay doing that because you know, if I stop training, I'll probably look bigger than Sfizi next year. So uh, that's not a question, mate. I put on weight like anything else. So, if I stop, um, I'll be a blimp.
0: <laughs> mate, final one for you. Uh, we've taken enough of your time. It's been a it's been no, a great right. chat, my
1: pleasure.
0: Uh, mate. Uh, if you had. One piece of advice for a young person out there listening who wants to be the next Scott Buckley, get into the Australian side, long stay in the Men's Open team for the for the next foreseeable future. What piece of advice would you give them?
1: Uh, just work hard. You know, hard work beats talent. I know it's a cliche, but it doesn't matter. There's a thousand people with better skills than most people, but I was fortunate enough that... If, if you would have said to any of my coaches at 17 years old that i would have had the career i said they probably would have hit you the other uh, side of the head and said you wake up to yourself mate you kidding so just work hard ask questions be a sponge be respectful and anytime you've got the opportunity to ask for feedback get it because there's no such thing as a perfect game and the mi- moment you stop trying to improve yourself is that's when you've achieved all you will so just work hard, ask questions and, and be a sponge. There's so many people in our community and in our, in our game that are willing to help for free. Um, all you have gotta do is reach out and I know for me, if anyone in that respect would like some things and I've seen you do anything like that, I'm more than happy to give out a bit of help. So that's it, just work hard and, and ask questions and respect your coaches and respect your jersey and respect your team. So you do those things, you'll be a player that will have a good career and you'll be a player that people wanna play with. So.
0: Oh, mate. Great answer, and I uh, can't thank you enough for giving up your time. It was a great chat to get an insight into your career and what a career it's been, it been mate. Uh, hopefully, we still see you out there on the uh, the touch football paddock rolling around, mates. I think I saw your name in the uh, New South Wales men's 30 squad, so yeah. still not hanging them no, up just be yet.
1: Yeah, fun. Yeah, nah, I, I don't think I'm going to play over ages for sort of too many things, but we sort of had a little some of the old um, sort of Aussie from that 2011 or 2015 were sort of like, let's all get together. We're all old enough now. Let's all play 30s together. So the Matt Topes and Terry Deans and oh. Dean Springfields and Tim Goods and all these people were all sit, all going to put their hand up and say, let's let's have a crack at 30s. Just more as a competitive, but just to get away with your old boys once to, for once again. So that I'm really disappointed. We can't do that. But, Hopefully, in two more years, we get the opportunity to do it again. it would
0: be nice. Thanks again for your time, mate. And, uh, Thanks, mate. Thanks yeah, for the interview. We'll hopefully see you back on the footy field soon.
1: For sure, mate. I'll be around for sure. Thanks, mate.
0: Thanks, buddy. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Scott Buckley. Uh, great insight into what was an amazing career. One of the best to put on the green and gold jersey and set foot onto a touch football field, no question. Uh, We've got plenty more episodes of The Late Switch coming up. Stay tuned to Touch Football Australia's social media pages for details of those upcoming episodes. Big thanks to Indomie Noodles for supporting The Late Switch podcast as well. But until next time, my name is Scotty. Stay healthy, have fun, and love the game. Peace.